and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so we're going to get this all started. My goodness, I feel very rusty. Like, it's been yeah. a while and I feel very rusty right now. Um, I hope I remember how to do this. Um <laughs> Well, I'm sure I'm sure it's like riding a bike, mate. I you say that, but I never learned how to ride a bike. So, um, when <laughs> no, I, bad bad example. It's a bad example. When when I actually learned how to ride a bike, when I, I must have been like eight or something, right? I was riding the bicycle and I went down a hill and I crashed into a tree. Ever since mm. then, I said fuck bikes. So yeah, <laughs> I think I, I remember I learned in a field so if i fell off i just landed on grass which isn't too bad mine was all it's a, it a field slightly on a slope so i could kind of get some speed up and kind of learn how to like you know go without stabilizers and stuff because first of all you have the stabilizers don't yes. you and yeah. then you you have to take them off eventually mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i took off the stabilizers on the first day of taking off the stabilizers uh <laughs> it was around my courtyard kind of thing so driving around that kind of thing i went down a hill it was all concrete smashed into a tree Nah, that ruined bike riding for me forever. So uh, I hope it's not as easy as riding a bike because it ain't. Um... You are about to experience trash cinema. And welcome to another episode of the Trash Tapes, where one man's trash is another man's treasure. I am Johan Shapur, the inflictor of pain, and I'm here with my friend, co-host, and DJ Edward Harvey. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's a new year. Let's let's get this going. Let's get the let's get in gear with this podcast. Let's get- Hell yeah! We have admittedly been on a bit of a hiatus. That's because we've been also there's been a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, the world is still on fire as we're recording, but uh, we've also been dabbling in other things. We've been doing all our extra side projects on this uh, as well. So we've been doing videos, we've been doing Twitch stuff, uh, we've been you know we've been doing other work related stuff and everything else. So I think 
I think now is the time to say, actually, we've we've kind of neglected this baby for a little while and we need to go back into in full swing. Yeah, well, part of it was to do with technical problems, wasn't it? It wasn't just like we didn't want to do it. It's, we had issues <laughs> recording remotely, but now I think we've, we've nailed it, so... There we go. Right. So, um, I thought, to start off the new season, the new year and everything else, that we need to talk about something that's happened very recently is cyberpunk 2077 came out and it was a hot mess yeah yeah it's like i feel like i want to defend it even though i've never owned it i feel like because you know a lot of games in the past especially like big open world kind of rpgs a lot of them have had like loads and loads of problems but they didn't get all the bad press but this one has i think it's because it was hyped up so much and then everyone Mm. just lashed out that it wasn't perfect but Things like all the Bethesda games were awful when they came out. Like, you know, like... Well, yeah, yeah. Skyrim is a broken mess. Fallout is a broken mess at the beginning. Yeah, but no one kind of... Everyone kind of makes fun of it a little bit, but they didn't kind of... There was no hate, like, brigade, was there? Like, there's no... Yeah, this is true, but I think it's because there was so much hype behind it and so much, like, all the cool stuff happening, and then they released it, and it was the buggiest mess ever. I think that's what disrupted people. But thinking of that, I was thinking, what else stars Keanu Reeves that is cyberpunk-related and also a hot mess? And I thought, perfect, we've got this movie, we have a movie that could totally fit this. <laughs> Perfectly. So, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are going to be reviewing Johnny Mnemonic. Oh boy. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. The year is 2021. It is no longer safe to transmit information. Phones, computers, and satellites are all vulnerable, but there is a solution. Your storage capacity? I can carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. Input the data into the brain of a human courier, like Johnny Mnemonic. Hit me. How do you fit all that in your head anyway? I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. You had to dump a chunk of what? My childhood. What are you doing? Making a long-distance phone call. I've got the goods, Ralphie. Now I just want to get them out of my head. Now, in a future... We locked on him. ...where those who control the information control the world. I've been charged with recovering the head of the mnemonic courier. Everyone wants what is stored in Johnny's head. Double cheese anchovies? You're waiting for me, Ralphie. Time is running out. I'm a dead man if I don't get this out of my head. If I can get it out. How? A cranial drill and a pair of forceps. For the future's most wanted fugitive. Keanu Reeves. You can't shoot me. Not in the head. Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, all right. Join Monic is 
special to me because this was one of the this was one of the first movies I saw years and years and years ago that got me interested in the genre of cyberpunk. Even before Blade Runner, I saw Johnny Mnemonic first. I, I, but I remember like seeing it advertised in the video shop and thinking that looks awesome because the visuals in this movie are cool. Mm. And I remember renting it, but I don't think I even got through it all because it's as for a kid to watch it. It's the, the pacing's a bit slow. There's a mm. little bit of action, but it's here and there, yeah. and it just wasn't interesting to me as a kid. And it, I, and it's still not that interesting to me uh, <laughs> now. Yeah, as an adult, uh, it's yeah. There's just something going wrong with it. Um, well, we'll get into that, but indeed. So, uh, for those who are completely unaware and in the know, right? So, we will basically start off with this. So, Joy Mnemonic is a 1995 Canadian American cyberpunk action thriller movie directed by Robert Longo in his directorial debut, and also the last movie he's ever directed. So. Not only was his directorial debut, it kind of was his last, which is a shame. Um, it, stars qu- it stars quite a few people. It stars, obviously, uh, Keanu Reeves. It stars Dolph Lundgren, which is another... An, uh, glad to bring Dolph Lundgren back. We always loved a little bit of Dolph Lundgren. Um, He's the saviour of this movie. He is the saviour. <laughs> he is literally the saviour of this movie in more ways than one. Uh, also, kind of other few interesting people. Udo Kier is in this movie, who is another kind of person who always seems to be in rubbish like he we we saw him last time in barbed wire yeah he plays similar types of people especially at this sort of period of time like in the 90s he played a similar mm. kind of character and he loved he liked doing those kind of post-apocalyptic movies by the sound of it it seems to be like uh, you might he must have been like totally stereotyped into it unintentionally which i personally find hilarious like you just say udo kier mm, you're a bit slimy and you look like you've already looked like you've walked out of like the future come here please yeah. um and also and also another a few other people of note but also you got henry rollins who is a uh, oh boy? I haven't seen that face in a while. Yeah, there's uh, there's some interesting bits with him, and I I've got them on the soundboard because it's oh, kind of can't. an intense performance. It's intense and very bizarre, which I love. And also, just to wrap up the the menagerie of like famous people in there, you have Ice T. Yeah, so the second musician in this movie. There's two musicians, isn't there? It's it's kind of music run almost. Like you kind of wish there was more music. You kind of wish there were more musicians in it, which I have a factoid, which we'll get into in a moment. But you kind of feel like this movie could have just been filled with musicians because it's very, very punk-like in that sense. And and one other person, which you probably noticed, uh, basically the head of the Yakuza, uh, in that case, sort of the head of the Yakuza, Kateshi, um, Kateshi Kitano, a.k.a. Beat Takeshi, a.k.a. the guy who basically created Takeshi's castle. Yeah, it's so weird. And he's called, like, his character's called that, and that's his name, you know, it's like... Yeah, it's just basically like, oh, you know, we, we, we need a Japanese guy, uh, Takeshi, 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 Takeshi! Here we go, come in! So, but it, it, his, his cameos and all that kind of stuff is quite an interesting thing to look into so we'll uh, we'll examine that momentarily now um the film is based off the is based off a short story and several short stories by the same name written by the legendary cyberpunk author william gibson he also had a hand in writing the script 
So this was right. William Gibson's first attempt at script writing as well, because he's written all this stuff. And you know what? It's it's you know sometimes it's like an informed choice to say, well, actually, wouldn't this be great if we have the actual author? write the script for the movie because he knows his own source material. <laughs> well, the script is awful, so something went wrong. <laughs> it's mainly the dialogue, but I don't know where this delivery. The delivery is really bad. Like, uh, Keanu Reeves is not great in this movie at all. Nah, he's not. He's he su- got nominated for a Razzie, didn't he, for this? Yes, he did. He got nominated for a Razzie <laughs> for his surprisingly wooden performance. Now, I always say with Keanu Reeves... Um, I, you, you, I would like your I like your opinion on Keanu Reeves. Basically, is I like Keanu Reeves, but I already know for a solid fact that in the nineties, in particular, like in the eighties, he did a lot of indie stuff, right? Um, in the nineties, like in the mid that point between, like you know, with Speed and Dracula and all that kind of stuff, he just had, he was just so off. Like something was really off in his performances. Well, the thing is, he was miscast mm. many times. He's a massive star, so people just wanted him in anything. Mm. And like, if, if they can get Keanu Reeves, they'll get him. So, like, Dracula's a good example. He shouldn't have been in that movie. And uh, he's probably not great for this movie, even though you, you think... Because he was good in The Matrix, so you'd think it'd be right, but it wasn't quite right, was it? Yeah, you know? but that's the thing. Um, I think as well, maybe... But that's the thing, is after The Matrix onwards, he has a bit of a mini-renaissance where people are starting to see his whatever performance as working i think it's a it's like you said it's involving his role and the director behind him because if you don't give him a good role or a good director behind him you get this kind of weird off kilter flat performance that doesn't match the movie's tone yeah and then randomly he'll be in something as a, as a supporting role uh, and be awesome, like his, his little role in Neon Demon, where he's played a really scary guy. Yeah. It's a really menacing performance, and that was brilliant. Are, are, we, are we suggesting that Keanu Reeves is like a good wine? He's definitely gotten better with age. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> well, let's actually go into the actual nitty-gritty. Let's actually talk, first of all, about some of the history developing this movie, because there is a lot. So... Um, we're talking about it because we just mentioned how he's been horribly was miscast. Uh, several people were actually asked originally to do the uh, to do the role of Johnny Mnemonic. Right? Uh, do you want to have a guess of who they were? Um, I haven't really got a clue. You know, I don't really know. I'm just trying to think who would be big in the nineties. All right. So this is going to be interesting. Okay, so number one, the Christopher Lambert was originally in contention for the lead role. Okay. <laughs> so I, th- I think that might have been off the heels of, like, Highlander, but then he did Highlander 2, and that just could have crushed it completely. But you never know. So Highlander 2 was more futuristic, I guess. What about Mortal Kombat? <laughs> well, yeah. It was just um, quite... I think, I think it would have been interesting with him, but I don't think it would have worked. No. No, he's no. another one that's a bit hit and miss, like with his castings. It, it can be great or he can be bad. The, the, the other person who was actually in, um, who was in line for the role was um, Val Kilmer. All right, he might have been all right, actually. He might have been pretty okay. good. Val Kilmer, Kilmer, sometimes he, I mean, is Jim Morrison. He became Jim Morrison, you know. He's, yeah, he did. So he's, he can really get into a role and kind of go full method, you know. That could totally work. Mm. I mean, I can imagine him doing something like that. But he was he was originally set for the role, but he left the project to do 
Okay, can you guess what, around this time, what other movie was coming around 1995 that Val Kilmer starred in? Uh, Batman Forever? Yeah. So yeah. he dodged this movie to do Batman Forever instead. Mm. All right? Which was interesting. The other thing, which is quite interesting, that afterwards, Val Kilmer later on played the role, played a role in Heat, which was actually originally supposed to go to Keanu Reeves, but Keanu Reeves turned that down instead. Oh, God. That, and that was a brilliant, like, fantastic movie. A big hit, wasn't it? Heat. Oh, God. I, it's always fascinating to figure out the people's, like, uh, mindset when, when they've been, like, been offered roles for movies and stuff like that and how they turn things down like originally like in the matrix will smith was originally the first person to be asked to do the matrix movies yeah and he but he turned that down so imagine if the, the, the whole world would be different if certain people were in different roles instead the world of movies would be completely different yeah i mean what do you think would have happened to keanu reeves's career if he didn't have the matrix do you think he would still be doing well because that elevated I, I, him massively, didn't it? I think I think I think he would have flatlined. I yeah. think he would have John honestly flatlined. He would have been one of. He, I think he would. I think he would end up with how Val Kilmer is now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another casting role which I found absolutely fascinating. Okay, so Dolph Lundgren. Mm. He plays he plays the street preacher who is absolutely the saving grace of this movie, which we'll talk to in a moment. But um, but he plays he plays a street preacher and an interesting factoid. This was Dolph Lundgren's last theatrically l- released movie until The Expendables. Everything else after that, but after that was just straight to DVD. He, was, he, was, he, he did movies like, like like all the cyborg sequels and stuff, didn't he? And Universal Soldiers, <gasps> just loads of straight to video. Them. Yeah, loads of straight-to-video stuff. I mean, he, he got loads of work, but not, like, anything high-end. Nothing high-end at all, which is a sad thing. But someone else was originally in talks for that role. And it was also because he was all, this person was also in talks of actually supervising the soundtrack. Who do you think it is? Um, I don't know. I'm just it's trying a musician. To... Marilyn Manson? Nope. <laughs> no? Oh, you're well off here. I'll give you another clue. This musician also ended up end up dodging this because he also had a couple of tracks in Batman Forever's soundtrack. Oh, um, well, I'm just trying to think. Which one was that? Was that Seal? <laughs> no, no, Seal was... Uh, wasn't Seal, what, what's, Seal was had the Kiss main, Rose, main yeah. theme, the, the main love. Yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? No, it wasn't Seal. It was Bono. Oh, right, Bono. <laughs> So Bono was in talks to supervise the soundtrack, and he was also in line to possibly play the street preacher. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know whether that would have worked. He's not an actor, is he? No, but it would have been absolutely bonkers. I would be so game for this because I think the movie needed to be even goofier and just maybe not as a street preacher, but I would love Bono walking around in a cyberpunk alternative universe just going downright bananas. Well, what about the guitarist, Edge? If you've got the name Edge, you've got to be in Johnny Mnemonic. I know, right? A guy called The Edge should totally be in a cyberpunk or dystopian future. Yeah, and he, he could just—he could just go in, just being called that. Who are you? I'm. People only call me the Edge. Oh wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked for Takashi, didn't it? Like, you just call him Takashi in the movie. Yeah. Now the production of this got a little bit interesting. So, 
Originally, Longo and Gibson originally envisioned making an art house film on a very small budget, but actually got failed in getting finance on a small budget. So in a weird way, uh, basically Longo commented that the project started off as an arty $1.5 million movie, but it became a $30 million movie because we couldn't get a million and a half. Ah, oh, interesting. <laughs> so in other words, they say like, oh, we can't give a small budget, but if you pitch it to the bigger studios, they will give you a super budget. But by that mm. point, you're stuck in the studio system, if that makes sense. So they couldn't, be like, they couldn't yeah. get the money to make their own sort of indie movie. So they had to go to the big studios and eventually went to Sony and all that kind of stuff and said, well, okay, we'll give you 30 million for this, which <laughs> is, yeah, okay. And interesting enough, because of the... Because the because of the internet starting and like people starting to get into the internet in the 1990s, it, the, high, the idea of cyberpunk was already starting to increasingly become more and more relevant. Because yeah. obviously we have all the books and st- all the books and some of the movies that inspired it uh, happening around the 80s. But now that technology was starting to catch up mm. to a point, um, so the whole idea of what cyberpunk represented was, you know, you know, rise of technology, corporations, blah, 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 was starting to sound more and more relevant, which in a scary way is kind of still now. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the weird thing about if you watch this movie now, there are kind of things where it kind of this feels a bit too apt <laughs> in a way, like like, oh. like a cautionary tale in a way, you know. It does, but then there's also moments in the movie, which I also love, admittedly, like that they predicted certain things wrong. I always love looking at like sci-fi movies and how they predicted things wrong in the future. Like, for example, in in the cyberpunk world, and this is always in, some of this is actually in the text and like in the, and like in the games and stuff like that. Like, for example, fax machines are still a thing. Yeah. The the weird thing about retro future stuff, stuff in the, in in the past, like they, they never predicted like the mobile device phenomenon like the thing like no one ever kind of uses like video phones on, on their mobile or like uses a tablet mm. often like it's not they'll, they'll like use a video like there's a bit where he uses a video call and uses the tv doesn't he at the beginning of yeah. the movie and uh he he kind of changes the channel to the video phone and kind of uses the remote control to call someone or like mm. in blade runner you'll have like a video phone booth and stuff like that no one's got a mobile that they can just do everything on their mobile. It's, it's... Yeah, it's 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 like no one ever predicted that you could have a computer on your. It's a weird thing because they kind of do. You know, some people predict like, oh, you can have you'll have a you'll have a watch with all the all the stuff you need. Or yeah, but no one ever predicted like just you have a phone you can carry around with you. And I think maybe because around that time, you know how mobile phones just looked just stupid just a giant effing phone yeah <laughs> like that so they never thought like ah it's never gonna catch on yeah and it's like i always love the the view of like the internet in, in the past like why do you think it was going to be like a virtual reality thing like going know. on the internet would be actually be like surfing like through like literally surfing the web yeah. it's so on the nose it hurts um and another thing as well like also found i was like interesting enough uh vcrs are still a thing in this movie yeah well they referred to like ice T. he refers to vcrs but i think he he, he go he says that it's like let, let's go old school so he kind of like he thinks that they're still around like as a retro thing, but the, but people are you know still they still they're kind of using him, but they're not the modern tech. But they don't refer to what the modern tech of video is, so it's kind yeah. of like they get away with it that way. 
So in other words, then, in this alternative future, only people with VCRs would have seen this uh, fantastic message or anyone who could record it on their VCR. So that's you at the moment, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you would have found, you would have known, you would have had the ultimate ending because you're the only one with a VCR at the end of it. It's like, who still has a VCR? And who's still got a VCR? And it's like, Ed's got a VCR. Oh my God, he's got this. Let's go to his house. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of like, because a lot of things have kind of broken down in this, real, in this uh, reality. But like, mm. so there's like a lot of kind of like poor people that have got like, still salvaging mm. kind of like some technology that's old. So like, I yeah. think it's the, the combination of people still using old stuff. It's like in the Fallout games where the only music that survived is like old music. So that everyone's mm. listening to like old like fifties and forties music and stuff like, yeah, and then yeah, and in that world as well, new musicians were basically just copying old fifties music. They weren't trying anything weird because they don't have anything left over. I understand that, mm. uh, but I don't know. I kind of feel like in a world where you've got like flipping like laser whips and stuff like that. <laughs> that the idea of VCR just sounds well off. But we'll, we're moving on a bit too quickly here. My goodness, this is a. <laughs> I just love to talk about old tech, especially since the reason why we're recording this as well, by the way, is the movie is set in January 2021. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not. Well, I, I noticed that the, the year was 20, because at the beginning it says the internet 2021 and it shows you what the internet looks like. It's fucking hilarious. I love that internet. We're going to talk into that in a moment, but my God, it almost feels like a fever dream of something that Stanley Kubrick would come up with. It's like Stanley Kubrick's in there going like, right, how does the internet look like? Loads of colour! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is sort of like Stanley Kubrick meets Lawnmower Man, which is bad. Oh, fucking Lawnmower Man. That was an option as well for this, but this was so on the nose I had to put it. Although we are going to do Lawnmower Man at some point. We have we to. We have to. Yeah, it has to be acknowledged. Now, here's another interesting thing that, uh, talk about the production. Um, And it's something that um, kind of became a little bit of a problem. Because what happened was, is like we mentioned, that he was intending to make a movie that was a smaller budget, and then they would shoved $30 million to do it. Now... The the film itself was actually based on three different stories by William Gibson, Johnny Mnemonic, obviously, but then also things like Virtual Light and Neuromancer and stuff like that. So it was kind of like amalgamation. But what's interesting was is that they originally, both Lango, Longo and Gibson, wanted to actually make sort of a satire of action movies. He wanted to do almost like a parody of it. So the movie itself was going to be a lot more funny goofier gorier almost down on almost a satirizing of what modern action blockbuster movies were at the time right right the movie was longer the movie the, the movie was about two hours long originally but after the first after longo did the first draft the first cut he talked to the studios and the studio sat there going this is absolutely incomprehensible I don't understand what you're trying to do. It doesn't feel like a mainstream action movie. What are you trying to do? But there's the thing. They originally wanted to do an art house movie. Yeah. So they, the studios were sitting there going like, I don't get this. So kind of not behind their back, but behind Gibson's and Longo's sort of power, the studio then took it away. And re-edit it to make it more mainstream. 
So right. they moved scenes around. They cut things all over the place. Certain bits are jumped and they didn't care in order to make it feel more comprehensive. Okay. <laughs> I don't know whether that... And is that what the kind of final result is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the final result is the more comprehensive version of that of that movie. Yeah, it's weird because it's just kind of I find it f- fairly slow to be honest. Mm. You know, usually like Hollywood studios want you to keep here's a scene, here's a scene, kind of bash through it and keep it exciting. But I actually yeah. find it kind of slow paced and boring at times. There, there, there are golden moments of oh, hell yeah. hilarious, but you know. It's it's weirdly paced, but that's because I think they're trying to pace it like a regular action movie. When I bet you the original sort of thing was that it was going to be a lot more goofier, a lot more funnier, a little bit more over the top. Like there are funny moments, both intentionally and unintentionally. But you can imagine how the tone was going to be very different. It wasn't going to be like I'm going to try to take this seriously. It was going to be more like wackier. I think I think the comedy all looks accidental. When I was watching mm. it, I always think that there's there's bits where it looks like it's being deadly serious and it's just laughable, really laughable. Like we'll get to the, the Keanu Reeves, the Johnny rant, like later oh, on. We'll get to yeah, that. Break- <laughs> yeah, there's loads of stuff like that. But uh, yeah, to the point, and that's the thing is, but it was by the end of it, uh, William Gibson actually said that since the movie was re-edited and stuff, he was very unhappy with what became of the adaptation of the story. Despite being credited as the sole screenwriter, he, ins- he has insisted for years that it wasn't his screenplay that got ultimately produced. Mm. And that's a sad thing. When the, when the godfather of cyberpunk actually tells your movie, hey... This isn't cyberpunkish enough for what I, the guy who wrote it said. Actually, no, that's kind of a bit of a dig, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. Now, interesting factoid about all this as well is that um, there were several compromises and stuff like that as well. So there's different little bits and bobs. But the Japanese version, there's a Japanese version that came out first. Mm. Apparently, it's closer to the vision of the original director. Oh, right, okay, that's cool. So it has an extra 10 minutes or so. Yeah. And it has more scenes with Takeshi Kitano. So it's got more of him in it, obviously, because you're aiming at a Japanese market. Yeah. There's loads more other little differences. Like there's less sort of, there's some less visual effects stuff and more story-driven stuff. There's a few action beats or a few little extra lines that added more world-building, stuff like that. Uh, like an element like the street preacher would actually be talking to a bunch of his followers, for example. So he had an actual church, hmm. for example. Well, there is a scene and- like that. But yeah, there, there's a scene where he's doing like a, a, like a sermon isn't there yeah yeah there's gonna be there was gonna be more of that yeah. him doing the thing uh loads of like more things with the bodyguards more things like that more well building by the sound of things that would have maybe made some coherent sense with it but i don't know um <laughs> that's hard to sort of say so and that is the version that most people in japan and most people would say and the director would say is closest to what was the original two-hour cut right okay interesting be like, mm. It'd be worth checking that one out. It, it, even if it's just for the next, if those weird 10, 15 minutes and seeing like if it does anything or not. This was very uniquely marketed. And you can imagine because it's Johnny Mnemonic and it's about the internet and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff going on involving like uh, marketing and things like that. So just to sort of say, let me just... Uh, find my info okay so sony basically real uh, realized very early on on the potential of reaching a new target demographic 
through the power of the internet because the whole movie's about the internet yeah so in other words then it's like with this new technology they actually created a new technology division mm. to promote the movie entirely with uh online with things like scavenger hunts that were offering twenty thousand dollars in prizes and loads of different like little i like, literally like um, going deeper into the web, like you were hacking to find like little nuggets about the movie and things would have had brought into things like cross promotion and other things like t-shirts and you could buy, you can win a whole bunch of prizes and stuff like that just by this internet scavenger hunt. Yeah, cool. One executive was quoted in as, as remarking, we see the internet as turbocharged word of mouth, which is kind of true, but I would never phrase it like that. No, I mean it was it was or it was a bit more like specialist and niche. Well, I was saying niche, but I yeah. certainly didn't have access to the internet when this movie was in video shops and stuff or in the cinema. I didn't. Yeah, I so, wasn't there yet, you know. Yeah, so it would have been just by the super rich techie heads, mm. right? But he says, like, instead of telling one person another thing around something good is happening, one person can tell millions. He actually says it in here with exclamation marks, which is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, so the whole point is the film's website was also facilitated with loads of Sony stuff, like, in other words, like loads of issued, like, Johnny Mnemonic merchandise, like hack your own brain T-shirts or pa- or, or Pharmacom coffee mugs and all this kind of stuff. Um, there were loads of sort of things linking up to that. And even, and this is an interesting factor as well, video games. There was a video game that came out on CD-ROM. <laughs> And it was rubbish. What, like a PC game, yeah. It was, you know, it was full motion. It was full motion video. So it was one of those kind of things. It was point and click adventure, full motion video ones, which is... Uh, I can imagine it being like a mega CD type game. Now, this was the thing. There was a mega CD version of it, but in, it was developed and fully ready to go, but it was never released. Right. <laughs> I think they realised once the movie came out how much of a dud it was, they just decided to put it on the side and say... Well, let's um, let's put this away. <laughs> this is, let's just put this away. We're never gonna do this again. Um, but yeah, they had they had a whole bunch of stuff ready. Even a pinball machine was designed. Everything was going full hole with this. Sony was really kind of like in the in like they were in it. They were totally in yeah. it. They think like this was going to revolutionize. This is going to be the biggest blockbuster of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 well, that happens. That's happened a lot in the 90s, isn't it? They really pushed for like movies because obviously they're spending so much money. They're going to think, well, we'll put loads of money into the marketing and see how it goes. But it, it, it just could be a complete disaster at times. And this like, was a good example of that. The 90s was, uh, was a very weird year for marketing because they would do, 90s and noughties in particular were very weird for marketing because they would go really over the top with some of their gimmicks. Like one of my favorite marketing schemes was for The Last Action Hero when they put their, when they actually put their logo on the side of a rocket. <laughs> it's crazy. But here's the thing though, the rocket launch was delayed, so it came out six months after the movie. God. And by that point, the movie failed miserably. <laughs> it's mental. It's really crazy. So there's a satellite somewhere in space with a, 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 who that was launched six months after the movie, just floating around space with the last action hero on yeah. it, which is just fucking so dumb. 
so yeah so yeah it shows how bad the marketing was for this it shows how they were fully into it they thought like this is revolutionary it's like you know it's sci-fi it's the internet what is cyberpunk we've got william gibson we've got keanu reeves we've got ice t we've got all these people sometimes just getting all the good ingredients doesn't mean you can make a good cake yeah totally no i wonder what a cyberpunk cake would taste like by the way yeah just (laughs) just metallic (laughs) metallic cold unworthy of its unworthy of its design also just tastes a little bit like megabytes (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe it's just a hologram it doesn't really exist crazy the critical response for this movie was negative overall with about 12% on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment at at 33 critics the website's consensus reads as narratively misguided as it is woefully miscast Dwayne Mnemonic brings a 90s cyberpunk thriller into into inane new woes and lows (laughs) the film film was financially disappointment was a financial disappointment in the USA grossing 19 million dollars out of his 26 million dollar budget so it barely made his money back yeah. uh, afterwards because it, once you do the rest of the world it kind of countered it and overall it was more successful outdoors uh, outside of the united states where it ended up grossing overall 52 million dollars mm. but it was in america it was considered like an absolute flop like it just nope no thank you it just barely grazed it and it was just the worst so was it most popular in japan then because that different version or yeah well it was yeah oddly enough it was more successful in asia Mm. so in asia was this movie was more successful doesn't mean it was a mind-blowing success because the whole point of in the only way for you to make profit in the film industry is you need to have your regular your regular budget doubled yeah because that means you gain profit because you gain your budget, so you're paying them off, and the other bud and the rest of the budget by that point is to pay off things like marketing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's the only way you can do it. So it did well in Japan and in Asia, but nowhere else really. Yeah, not enough in general worldwide. Not, not enough. As you've already mentioned, Keanu Reeves' performance earned him a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor. Yeah, I mean, when I looked up uh, the awards sort of bit on IMDb, that he was actually nominated in for a lot of, of, of good awards, like in terms mm. of production design and things like that, because obviously the visual side of it was quite impressive. So yeah. there are kind of like nominations for, the, you know, appreciation of that, but there are also a lot of bad, bad stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of bad stuff in this. There's, there's a, the thing is, all the bad stuff is all the human people, really. Everyone else, like in terms of the look, the costume, like, you know, the setting, the world. Yeah, it all works great. It, a little ropey here and there, but it was consistently good. Mm. And I think that's the reason why, because according to this, and I also would agree, it's like into the 21st century, the film then continued to be referenced in things like pop culture. Loads of things have been going into it. And it has got a cult following because of that it is a weird sort of mishmash of like great stuff and terrible stuff put together and that's kind of the recipe for a cult movie isn't it yeah i mean imagine uh, his character in cyberpunk 2077 was like because he's called johnny in that isn't he johnny silverhand yeah. isn't it and mm-hmm. he's kind of like he's, he's referencing mnemonic isn't it it's got to be it's partly remembering mnemonic it's referencing the cyberpunk 2020 uh tabletop game there's loads of references all kind of joined together i think it's just a perfect irony mm. that keanu reeves played johnny mnemonic but also then played johnny silverhand and they're all in a cyberpunk universe 
and I'm just oh it's I'm just ah it's it, basically we now came to the point that Keanu Reeves is now just cyberpunk in general. Every time you see Keanu Reeves, you're just going to think cyberpunk now because remember the the Matrix counts as a cyberpunk movie. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's just his niche now. He's just going to do cyberpunk stuff and just go, there you go. And, you know, maybe in 20 years' time, he's still going to go around calling people breathtaking. So. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I hope so. Must covering five and so, okay. Let's actually break down the movie itself. Let's actually go and actually talk about the movie. But let's break down a couple of bits and so on. So. The best way to sort of sum up the movie in just a single sentence or two, which is pretty, which basically just very simple here, is that Keanu Reeves is playing a data courier, literally carrying data inside his head, and he must deliver it to its to the to his actual client before he dies from the from the burden of be having too much in uploaded into his head, or be killed by the yakuza. Yeah, yeah immediately in the first scene. I've got a clip of uh, yeah. so you introduced to the Johnny character immediately. Where are you going this time? I travel. How I make my living. Data storage, remember? NAS, nerve attenuation syndrome, global epidemic, cause unknown, cure unknown. Where is home? Would you believe I don't even know? Yes, I would. Going out? Just getting some ice. We've got... So that is one of the first dialogue exchanges in the movie. And it's that this is the oh, you kind of set up with that and you're thinking, okay, this is what we're in for, is it? This is the kind of dialogue in this movie. I, yeah, I was so, yeah, watching this again and realizing, oh my goodness, I forgot he said the line like that. I I burst into laughter with that long, bizarre pause of going, oh, we already got ice. I'm like, wow. The reason why I played that clip as well, because you introduced on the TV, you hear what the virus is, don't you? It is, because yeah. part of the story as well in the background, which is kind of it's kind of ironic and a little sad that in 2021, they somehow predicted there's some kind of virus forward slash plague going on in this sort of hot mess of a year. But yeah, there is something called the NAS, which is basically nicknamed the Black Shakes. Mm. So it's kind of neurological disease, which gives you basically puts people into fits. Yeah, and it's like, well, we get like a description of how it's caused later on, which I'll play, but it is to do with technology, isn't it? Interference from technology, which is kind of a scary thing to think about. That could be something that we we come across like in, in our modern time, you know? I'm just having a funny thought that if that's the case, then his manager's like, why are you getting the shakes so much? It's like, I'm so sorry, I've, um, I've been on Instagram way too long. <laughs> I can't help it. I need to. I need to get my gram ready. Damn it! Well, there's a term now, isn't there? Doom scrolling. That people get addicted to doom scrolling, and they like just mm. constantly looking through bad news on the internet, and it kind of affects them psychologically. 
it's kind of the reason why I avoided Twitter for so long. Mm. Because Twitter is just doom scrolling. Everyone just has a negative opinion on something or finding the news something terrible happened. Yeah. And it's just like, this. it's so depressing. Mm. Like even, it's so depressing. I'm going on Instagram where loads of people have cute pictures on it. And I'm going down now in the future, going on Instagram, I'm like, oh, oh, someone's put like a post about this thing up so, oh, okay. I, why, why, why is Instagram no longer about cute cats and taking pictures of your food why isn't that not a thing anymore yeah I, I, well I, I still see it depends with Instagram it depends what you interact with a lot and like I still see or like I get like pictures of animals coming up and stuff because I like that stuff. yeah yeah so it's, it just depends but it also feels like Instagram is like cotton wool as well at times it's like it's you're being mm. shielded from everything it's like no this this here's just a guinea pig dancing around that that, that just look at this while we distract you you know what you look if uh, i don't mind if the world starts giving me more cute guinea pig pictures of like uh of like people uh, like here's a little hamster but he pretends he's acting like a real person and he's eating a sandwich like oh (laughs) yes that's what the internet should be yeah not like the internet in this movie where you one of the first things you get the you get the opening scroll first but what i love is it says internet 2021 and you get literally just billboards of like weird ass colors and basically like i mentioned before it's like a stanley kubrick wet dream of just a tunnel of just lights and neon flying through stuff it also reminds me if you know those old dolby stereo adverts where it, yes. you're kind of fly, flying around a city, loads of crazy things going on, and the sound is kind of going around all the speakers. It just reminded me so much of that. We find Keanu Reeves looking for, uh, no, just reiterating that he actually has ice. He, um, he makes a phone call. He makes a phone call to Udo Kier, who is quite literally a fixer. Yeah. I love Udo Kier, by the way. I find him as one of the most captivatingly, brilliantly, actors where he just seems to be doing the same thing but no matter what he does he's always amazing at it that thing you've you've said that like makes you like him makes me dislike him because he is literally just the same in everything which uh, that could if you like that thing that he's doing and he's doing that in every film then you're gonna love him but if you don't like like that you're gonna hate him and i don't well i don't hate him i just think that he's just meh you know but it, it, it is one of those things where anytime you see Udo Kier appear on the screen, you're just going to go, oh, here we go. We know exactly what we're getting. Yeah, I, I must admit, he is. He has got a lot of charisma on screen. He does. Yeah, so he is, like, captivating. So him playing the fixer here is almost kind of perfect. So he's playing a fixer, like an agent, and he's and so he, the reason why this is happening is because he's a... Uh, Johnny's called him up and said, look, right, you, you said we have the operation going on. I have the money now for my operation to fix my brain. Because we actually, here's the thing. We need to explain what his, what the brain thing is. Yeah, what the implant that he's got. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Do you understand what that implant does? Um, well, it, it allows him to carry data in his head, uh, yeah. but he had to remove part of his brain in order to fit that in which we'll go into later what a clip of that like later on explains what he had to remove yeah well actually you can play that now if you like honestly because it helps explain what happened so yeah yeah so so how do you fit all that shit in your head anyway must have been pretty good at memorizing huh implant wet wire i had to dump a chunk of long-term memory you had to dump a chunk of what (laughs) I love my childhood. Your childhood. (laughs) 
Really? <laughs> All of it. You can't remember a thing. All the good bits. Maybe there's some residual traces. Every now and then there's something, but I... I can never hold on to it. That's a seriously weird-ass thing to do. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. I didn't lose anything I wanted to keep. I needed the space for the job. <laughs> well, you got parents and stuff? You got parents and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Once. But I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I don't think about it much, okay? Well, what do you think about? When you're alone. I think I want to get out of this rat hole. I want to get online. I need a computer. Damn. <laughs> it's so dramatic. I love... Like, you got parents and stuff, like a kid. Like, you just saying the same line back to her, like, stroppy. And apparently that's a, like, well, it's like, it's almost like, did you know when someone says, like, it's a dumb question? That kind of thing. You just repeat it. That's literally what it's like, of course I got, I've had parents and stuff. I just don't remember it. But it's the, the delivery, though. Like, Keanu's delivery is awful, isn't it? It's just, I mean, some of these lines, if they if we were done in a different way, they might be kind of good, but it's, it's the delivery is kind of just so wrong. It's so stroppy. It's so stroppy. And I kind of like it in some cases, but I feel like it's just off for having Keanu Reeves do it. So, yeah, I find... So the implant, basically, is that he... At the moment, he can carry a whopping... 80 gigabytes. Up- <laughs> yep. A whopping 80 gigabytes. Before he got the upgrade, that allowed him for 160 gigabytes. Oh, shit! See, in 95, that would have been so much data, but obviously now we've got little SD cards that have got that on, you know, like tiny little things. I have a memory stick that covers that. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's like, oh dear. Okay, I can imagine all that information going into your head is a lot of room, I guess, if you're trying to calibrate how much memory equals megabytes, I guess. Yeah. I suppose it's it's different. They they couldn't really think of how it would work there, because it's like... If it was in, like, digital form and it was in a tiny little, like, sort of card, mm. you would just access what you want to access, I would have thought. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, it kind of, you're not having to think about it all at once. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, you're not going to suddenly think of, like, your entire childhood in one sitting. Yeah. Because that would tr- bloody traumatise you. So, yeah, in order for him to fit that energy, he has to remove his entire childhood. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently that wasn't important. Yeah. And it oh, only takes sh- up 80 gigabytes, apparently. That, that's so shit, isn't it? But only, your entire childhood's only 80 gigabytes. Yeah. <laughs> if, 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 okay, so here's the thing. If you, had, if you had that job, right, and you're told you have to remove some part of your brain, some of your thing, in order to fit that, what would you remove? Uh, high school. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Fair. I'd remove. I'd say just just remove all. No, keep the education, but let me remove all like the shit times of child of of like high school and just. Yeah, sometimes people say, "Oh, I wish I could relive that again." I suppose it depends. Like, it, I don't know. I I I don't. Like, the best times I had have been like probably early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So just scrap your teen years. Like, who cares? All you had was puberty and bad times. <laughs> It's weird. How quickly did I answer that when you asked me that question? Yeah, it's like saying, I already, it's like, it's like, you're already like, I already had this prepared. I knew exactly what I would remove. <laughs> Udo Kier is basically saying, right, 
I know you want to have your surgery so you can gain your memories back. Because that's when he wants to regain his memory. Because basically, he now says, I'm tired of this life. I want to regain my memories back. But Udo Kier, obviously being the slime ball that he is, goes and says, like, you need to do one more job. They they paid, they, they raised the price for the surgery. And it's like, oh, God damn it. You know, so it's like, okay, we'll do one more job. And um, so he ends up going to, he ends up going, he ends up going to Beijing, I think it is. Yeah. It's Beijing. Yeah, it is, yeah. He goes to Beijing and he is, he's upgraded to now 160 uh, gigabytes of, uh, of RAM in uh, 60 gigabytes into his head. And he goes, okay. Um, and so he meets these very bumbling, weird sort of Chinese, Japanese, Indonesian, Asian in general scientists. Yeah. There's an interesting, uh, I, I've got a clip of, of that scene because there's yeah. an interesting thing where he's, where there's a, like a tooling up kind of section where he's, he's setting up, he opens a briefcase and he opens all the things and it's so like, imagine a Sega advert and, and listen to this. Yeah. can imagine he's got the little CD that he got there. He's got like the little... He takes out a little calculator and it's got something underneath. Yeah. All this stuff's being set up. And it reminds you so much of like a mega CD advert. This kind of music and the visual. It's kind of mad. I love it. Have you got a Sega CD yet? I <laughs> think <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the end of it, so like, you know, it, it goes and just produces the product. One of the things I always found annoying about this movie is because Joy Mnemonic already knows his job, right? Mm. He already knows what his job does because he's been doing it a few times. But there are moments where there's clearly exposition dumps to explain to the audience what his job is. Yeah. Like, at one point, he talks to a scientist, and the scientist said, like, well, you know, he's, he's, he's raised it up to, it's like, he's upgraded. And said, well, how big is your, so it says, how big is your file? And it's like, it's about 325 gigabytes. Ah, oh, shit. Doesn't he actually say, because he, he wants the job so much, doesn't he actually say it's big enough? Like, he doesn't say how much, so that they yeah. will dig- agree to give him the data, but he's, like, mm. actually going to be overloaded, which is what happens. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but then he explains it's like if you know it's like you are aware that if it's overloaded, right, that you could you could die because your your implant could rupture and explode your head, you know, basically. And it's like it's fine, it's fine. Stop questioning me. What are you doing? This is just weird. Yeah, because when they actually sort of load him uh, with this data, it sounds a bit like this. Hit me. Jesus! <laughs> this is him surfing through his brain. We're back to the uh, surround sound advert now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. We're totally into the Dolby surround sound. And he's literally got the like the VR headset on, and he's just mm. his face is just like gritting teeth, kind of like Rah! like Total Recall, kind of like kind of removing the implant type of thing. <laughs> Yeah, he's properly grinding his teeth at this point. And I look, the visual is a cool visual, admittedly. I like how the visual is because I feel like it has, like, a lot of, like, it's, it's, it's showing his intensity and how cool that would be. But it's also kind of silly because he's, he's overdoing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's overdoing everything. 
pretty much. Yeah. It's like, and the thing is with me, it, with I don't know about you, is mm. like Johnny Mnemonic to you? Is he a likable character? No, I think for most of the movie he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, he is. He is hot. There, there's not very many. I think the the female character, the the the, the love interest kind of thing, she's yeah. quite likable. But like everyone else, isn't likable really in this movie. Yeah. And it, it kind of, I think that's what my problem with it is. Like when I'm going through, I think it feels slow because I'm not interested in these characters and where they're going. Like because mm. I, I don't connect with them, and that's that's why it feels slower than it needs to be. Because I I think if I was really interested in them, the the pace could be slow, and I would but I'd like look forward to what's going to happen next to these characters. But Johnny Mnemonic's a dick. <laughs> And the moment he gets up, he goes like, he, just, he gets up and goes, once all that is done, the first thing goes like, where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? I need the toilet. I, I need to go. And so he's trying to keep a straight composure. He goes into the toilet and he instantly nosebleeds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm overloaded, man. Yeah, he he's actually goes in there and he just goes, fuck! Like, the funny thing is, like, is that bathroom soundproof? Because if I was outside... That and hearing like, ah, oh, shit, this has not gone well, hasn't it? You're shouting, what the fuck, sh- it's too much! Well, they, it would have been great is if it cuts to them when you can hear him in the background kind of screaming in the bathroom and they're just kind of looking awkward. Like the guys in the... Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. We haven't done well. So, at that moment... So, yeah, after he has his mental breakdown and he's, bad, he's bleeding from the nose, this is when, to me, one of the coolest things happens in the movie. The Yakuza finally arrive. Hmm. And not going to lie, I find the Yakuza, at least the head guy, Sin, uh, Shinji, so cool. So is is the, the Takashi guy is not the Yakuza, is he? Or is he? No, he, 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 he is kind of, well, he's kind of like a boss to them, because I think he's a corporation that's hired the Yakuza, so they've kind of, it's kind of his boss. Yeah, because the Yakuza are now kind of corporate, aren't they, as well? Like, Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're hired by corporations, basically. Yeah, yeah, just like in most cyberpunk stuff in general, you know, you know, m- gangsters are now mostly now corpos, which kind of makes sense. But Sinji comes in with his mobsters of they walk in, you don't even know who they are at the moment because they rarely, they barely talk about the yakuza, and he walks in and everyone just he looks, they all look cool with leather coats, the glasses, the big fuck off gun, the sort of the 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 augments on their eyes and their hands, they look badass. Oh yeah, totally, yeah. And then Sinji pulls out my favorite thing, the fucking laser whip, a.k.a. the monowire, a.k.a. what the flying fuck is this bullshit? Why is there not more of this? Yeah. It does, I don't know about you, but this, it does feel like a game at times. Like, mm. it feels like a video game. Like, that would be a weapon in, in a game that you would, like, really want to get. Like, Interesting fact, you can actually get that weapon in Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, cool. <laughs> so you can actually get, like, you can, you remove, basically, uh, for, for Sinji, he basically pulls his thumb, basically like his nail from his thumb, pulls it out, and then you get this fucking laser piano wire that could lit, that cuts through everything. He literally cuts a circle around the door, kicks in through the door, and starts blowing everybody away, chopping people in half. Just badass and all these scientists who suddenly now all have guns are just running around going oh no be riddled with bullets 
They're way out the depth, though, aren't they? Those scientists. They kind of just <laughs> throw in there. They don't know what they're doing. Even though this is the thing, Joy Demonic, being in the bathroom, somehow magically escapes this. Yeah. Don't know how, but he magically escapes this by literally pounding a guy in the head in the bathroom kind of thing and then just doing a couple of kicks grabbing the grabbing at least one part of the code and then storming off in mm. what later becomes kind of silly because he uh, he ends up I did not even know he had this where the fuck did the costume come from I don't know I don't know I just remember him uh, doesn't uh, pretty much after this scene doesn't he he, get, he gets on the phone to uh, Udo Kier doesn't he and yeah. asks like why because I've got a clip of that. Um, Go for it. Just what's the deal here? Johnny Boy. Johnny Boy, my ass. What's the fucking score here? I'm way overloaded, man. You would not believe how much. You I am so overdone. Upgraded. Yeah, yeah, I did. I got the goods, Ralphie. Now I just want to get them out of my head. Did they get the code out? Don't worry. They said they're going to extract. So he's like a pervert. <laughs> What's going on, Ralphie? This feels like a blown deal, man. You say you have to get the dead out. They are the only ones who can do it. There's no other choice. Trust me. Trust me. I will tell the driver where to take you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> just sounds dead like, like you say pervy, doesn't it? Just trust me, Johnny. <laughs> Please do. And then Johnny at the same time like, yeah, whatever. Like, he's so half ass. He should be more pissed off at this. But he's like... What's the deal, man? Come on, buddy. Come on, Udo. Tell thinks, me what's happening. Like, it's like swearing loudly is enough to be like show that I'm angry. Like exactly. I think that that's I just the, say fuck loudly, and that's enough, man. God damn it! <laughs> right. So by that point, then we're properly introduced to Udo Kier properly because we find him in the club, in the club where he runs. He runs like he runs like a the weirdest nightclub because. Is the mu- the music, for example, is a combination of opera and heavy metal industrial, which makes such confusion. I have got a clip of that. Please Listen do. This. What is this? <laughs> Just a little soundbite of that, but that is all you need. It's basically like, what's great though, it's not far off like symphonic metal, is it? To be honest, it's like operatic kind of singing with metal, like, and that's kind of predicting kind of that kind of genre. This is true. I get that. I understand that's a thing, and I was always a thing. But the way you see it on stage is just this fat woman in like a froppy dress and big hair singing opera with industrial electronics ca- guitars somewhere hidden in the building. <laughs> <laughs> That's your that's your act, people. He, he runs his nightclub, but he also runs. Clearly, he's a fixer. So in other words, he has all these bodyguards. He calls bodyguards and other people to do his work. And this is when we actually introduce the love interest, as you mentioned before, Jane, who is mm. someone who's who's been augmented to ha- to be faster, stronger. I'm not going to mention the rest of the Daft Punk song for that one. Um, but yeah, he's, she comes in and she, and, and we're introduced to like the bartender called Hooky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and basically she is trying to get hired by Udo Kier and say, hey, look, I'm better than your two other bodyguards who is this really tall woman and this transvestite. <laughs> yeah. His sidekicks are kind of cool, though, aren't they? They are cool. They are cool and awesome. They're just kind of random. The um, the uh, love interest, Mm. uh, played by Dina 
Maya. Yeah. She was in also in Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves, wasn't she? Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. She I was. Uh, she played the. Um, wasn't it? It was his sister. Yeah. And you kind of, she, she kind of like hung around with Al Pacino a lot and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 always kind of interesting how you can find maybe certain benchmark movies that they start like rehiring certain actors because they might think they had a good chemistry together or something works with them and they just keep hiring them together because they know it works. Yeah, you do often see that those like pairings, in, especially the same sort of decade, don't you? Yeah. She yeah she was really good. I thought she was good in this. I think she's yeah. the. I think it's for me. She's one of the better. Uh, she's one of the better pieces of the movie in terms of actual acting, because uh, mm. everyone else is either subdued, over the top, or just flat. She actually has like an emotion, which is like yeah, wow. You know, she can actually emote. Then right after that, we go right to where Johnny actually goes and tries and meet the person who is supposed to be the client, right? And yeah. so like here we go, but. Obviously, we've already sussed it out by creepy Udo Kier. It's a trap! Yes. <laughs> oh, God, it's such a trap. It's such an obvious trap. And so, you know, he's being chased down by these two uh, by these two corpo guys who are connected to the Yakuza, blah, blah, blah. And he's being chased down a bit. And then Ice-T goes and just bloody kills him. Yeah. So everyone's basically wanting the data in his head, aren't they? Yeah. Because yeah. clearly, but that's the thing is, he has absolutely no idea what this data is. No idea. Mm. And so he's just trying to find out what is it or how to just remove it and just ignore it because it's now about to kill him, right? As we introduce Ice-T, who's pretty cool, he is the leader. He's one of the leaders of the low-tech. So they are the analog guys that you were talking about before. They're, like, they're, like, they're, like, they're, they're really good with technology, but they rather not be on the net or if they're hacking, they're hacking against it. They're proper net runner kind of situation there. Yeah, I've got a clip of J-Bone's introduction. Go for it. Who are you? I'm J-Bone. I run heaven. So he looks over to what is like the Golden Gate Bridge, isn't it? But don't you think, right, you know, when he looks over, he, he points Johnny over to to heaven, which is a broken down bridge. But you get this music. It almost sounds like God's doorbell, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> yes! It's like if you... If you're at the gate to heaven, you press that and that would be the little tune it plays. That's kind of perfect. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely love that. <laughs> it's true. It's because it, it, apparently the secret base of heaven is underneath the old, uh, it's underneath that bridge. But you'd, you wouldn't have a clue because you wouldn't have a Scooby because you're just looking at it and it's like, here's a bridge. And it's kind of cool because like the, the bridge is now in an H shape, isn't it as mm. well? Yeah. The way it's broken up. So it's literally heaven. Just find the H. Right? So when all that happens, this is where Johnny goes back to Udo Kier, tells him, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You've been a bad person. I've been set up. Um, and, and, and then, obviously, he gets knocked out cold by transvestite yeah. bodyguard. Yeah, I've got a clip of this. You set me up as well. Go for it. Charlie! They were waiting for me, Ralphie. Two big, nasty men. <laughs> Sounds sexy. Johnny! You set me up, my friend. My friend? It's not my fault. There's been a screw-up. You're dead. You don't get this batch of product out of my head. 
Not on the head. <laughs> this sounds like comedy, doesn't it? It is. I love the fact he gets two big nasty men like that, and then he's just like at the, at the end of the clip, he's like they're throwing Johnny around, and he's like saying, "Not the head, not the head." Unfortunately, he was absolutely bonked in the head. Yeah, there's like haggling in process, isn't there? And she's basically at that point, she's just kind of sabotaging Udo Kier, isn't she? Yeah. She's, you know, she's a bit pissed off at him. So she's going to like, well, I'm going to fuck you over because you fucked me over kind of thing. Yeah, which is great because then there's there's a brawl, there's a big fight. Well, not a big fight, but there's a, there's a thing. What do you, what did you, this is the thing I want to ask you. What do you think of the actual fight scenes in this movie? Uh, Not too bad. Mm. Not, they're all right. Yeah, you know, it's it's passable. I think it's weird because like, looking back at it, knowing what Keanu Reeves would become, like with like the Matrix, uh, John Wick, and all the all the other kind of big action kung fu movies he's been in, I always found a lot of the fighting to be surprisingly sloppy. Mm. Like it doesn't feel like it was been properly coordinated. It's not like they made it up on the day and go like, yeah. right, 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 you go in, you punch, and then you do a kicky thing, and then you do a ducky thing, and then you give him a push. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is the problem. It's like when you do get some action. It's only like meh, yeah. You know, so, so you're watching it, hoping it's going to be like an action movie. Especially when I was watching it as a kid, and when you do get that little bit, it's short-lived, doesn't last very long, and it's not that impressive. So, sounds like my first time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, it's um, yeah, it's just not that. It, it needs to be. It needs to be a bit more oomph. But there are some great moments in it because once uh, Jane and Johnny leave, right. Uh, Sinji looks over at Udo Kier and it looks like, say, you fucked up. Well, do you know what you fucking get? 
Slice! <laughs> yeah. Oh, Brilliant. that for me, when I saw that again, I realised that's actually pretty awesome. That's a practical effect where literally Udo Kier literally becomes two slabs of steak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It did look good, that bit. It did, because it's just like, and just suddenly you just see bits just fall off him he's literally cut into three pieces and i'm like oh that's so far one of the goriest things in the movie so oh, that's impressive which is why when we're talking about before how the original cut and the original script was going to be gorier and funnier that's the vibe i think i was getting it was going to mm. be like more silly gore and it was going to have like weirdly quirkier characters like that and that's why i'm slightly disappointed that it didn't go full well, you know, full Udo Kier getting slices like pieces of ham. Ham, you know. Jane and Johnny disappear. They, they go into the underground. Uh, Johnny has a seizure, which is where he... This is the thing we've noticed. He ends up having flashbacks of his childhood, like randomly, little bits. It didn't make any sense. It's like, there's a bicycle. There's a kid running in a field. It looks like there's a woman hiding in shadow. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah, and there's a few... Dialogue exchanges with them in this uh, sewer system where uh, I shall play one of them now. Mm-hmm. How come they want to cut off your head anyway? I mean, usually they're just off people around here. Long story. Well, I'm going to be around until I get paid, so. I can carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. 160 if I use a doubler. Trouble is, somebody's stuck in a lot more than that and I don't know how to get it back out. Okay, so wait a minute, wait a minute. You're a smuggler? In your head? <laughs> Hey! What's wrong? There's those flashes. Come here. And they're all random like it's a bicycle. (laughs) A very angry bicycle. Ah shit! So basically that bit is where he he kind of after that point has a bit of a nap for a bit and like he like, literally like, has a bit of a nap because it's like did you let me sleep it's like I had to yeah. <laughs> you, know? you needed it you've, you've been travelling around going in different costumes doing silly shit like this banging your head you need a nap so they end up going first of all to what literally seems to be like a computer shop like a some kind of computer shop and yeah. this to me is what Joining Mnemonic's all about is where he gets all this random tech stuff, right? Mm. So all this random tech stuff, which a lot of malarkey, a lot of, uh, like, random stuff. And here's an interesting factoid. It has been debunked. But for the longest time, at one moment where he's talking about all the different equipment, he, he mentions the iPhone, right? Yeah, that was, was kind of cool. Uh, I, I like that. But here's the thing, though, right? He mentions the iPhone, which obviously you're thinking, like, did, uh, did uh, you know, did Steve Jobs look at this movie and say, we're now going to have something called the iPhone? Unfortunately, it's not the iPhone that we know. It's not iPhone. It's I as in E-Y-E phone. So, and, yeah. and it's done by Thompson. So it's like, well, that's a different company altogether. Imagine that was a different kettle of fish. <laughs> yeah, so is that basically like the the... the- the headset type of thing. Yeah. So the visor, the, the whole VR yeah. situation. Mm. So, yeah. So he gets all this random tech stuff because he, like, like we saw in the clip before, I need a computer. So yeah. <laughs> he gets in, gets all this stuff, starts hacking. And the hacking to me is both cool and incredibly stupid. Yeah. It's kind of like sort of fortunate that all the stuff he needs is there. Like, and she knows exactly what it is. And she goes, I need this. It's like a shopping list. I need this. I need this. And she just gets it immediately. 
and he just gets underway. It's kind of kind of nice and fortunate for him. And so he gets on, he starts hacking. He's it's all the weird stuff we've seen before. I love the little thing with the hands though, but he does look goofy as balls when he's like doing like hand movements in the visor headset. Well, it's like Xbox Xbox Connect, isn't it? It's very Connect. It's very like move. It's very that kind of thing. It's kind of funny. He's doing the thing like that and typing away. And he realizes later on, after looking at the stuff and realizing what this might be, that the uh, the information comes from Pharmacom. So mm. it comes from the pharmaceutical company. So he's like, oh, that's interesting. He says it in almost in that kind of way as well. Just as like Pharmacom, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he loves doing his dramatic pauses, isn't he? He is. He's in very much season. into that. He talks to his hacker and tells him that. And then at that moment, because he was on li- on the net for too long, the corpos and the yakuza all basically find him and start yeah. putting a virus. And the virus is literally like, oh no, it's slowly seeping into black. <laughs> I know they're so on the nose with that kind of stuff, aren't they? At this, like, so, like you said earlier, surfing web is actually like surfing. And a virus that actually looks like a visual, like, virus. It's hilarious. It's like there's no subtlety in this. It's because they didn't... Look, I love the optimism that that was the internet going to be. And we're kind of getting there a little bit with VR. But VR has not gotten to the realm of doing that kind of bullshit. Not just yet, I hope. Um, No. (laughs) So, yeah, he's been trying to find all the information. He's found all the bits. And he he found out through that is also that this, this, this information, the facts, was going to a Dr. Allcom. Right now, it's all come yeah. as in all as in all a l l c o m e. People paying attention and listening. I had to make that clear before it sounded gross. Okay, <laughs> totally. I had to make that clear. And then once the virus kicks in, the yakuza just magically turn up. Of course they do. But luckily, Jane packs a punch because she always seems to pack her trusty grenade. Yeah, right pace too. The Orbi has nothing to fear. And then we literally come back to Japan, like, really quickly. And then that's where Takeshi Kitano says, like, is, is, is having the conversation. And so, like, oh, wait a minute. It seems like something's happening. We need to track him some more. We need to find... We need to do some more bits. And then something weird happens from this point onwards. He's having flashbacks about his daughter, about his dead daughter, stuff like that. He's playing videotapes and holograms. It is interesting, that, actually, because, like, he's quite... Obviously, Takashi's castle is kind of a crazy, kind of fun thing, but he's got a very... He's a very, like, mournful sort of character filled with sorrow, isn't he? Like, he's constantly playing, like, a video kind of recording Mm. hologram of his dead daughter, which is really, like, melancholic, you know? This is the thing, though. We... A lot of people in the West know him, uh, Takeshi Kitano, as Takeshi's castle. Like, he's quirky. Mm. He He is a very, very famous comedian but he's also a very well-renowned film director he makes his own movies and he stars in a lot yeah. of them and a lot of them are surprisingly melancholic and dramatic and violent right. so he made movies like violent cop he made things like uh hannah b he's made a whole bunch of stuff so i mm. see him also as that he has the ability he has a wide range but yeah, if sure. you've never seen him in Erlen takeshi's castle like you have you're gonna sit there going like wow this is a this is a leap <laughs> yeah it's a fucking leap. Um, and it's interesting because he's he, clearly he's being haunted by, by by his dead daughter situation. And so he wants to get this information in his head because he's been sort of told that this is sort of a way of if I get the head, I can get I can I can regain retribution for my 
dead daughter kind of thing. But it's being haunted by a weird woman who clearly is a ghost, like in an AI kind of thing. Yeah, she's like the head. It's like she's the head of a corporation, but she's just basically like a. a it's like she's she's presented in in like a like a Siri type character, isn't she? Sort of like like a computer AI voice, like that's that's seen on a screen. Yeah, what? yeah, it's like a big floating head. That all she is, mm. um, and she apparently is the she was the former, I believe, CEO of Pharmacom. So yeah. But talking directly to uh, Takeshi is a bit weird because I feel like there was more scenes there, which is clearly what's in the Japanese version, more she- scenes that would help describe what his motivation is. Because I always feel like, just like you are, I'm not entirely sure what his motivation is other than, let's say, retribution for his dead daughter. But what's that got to do with the head thing? Yeah. Yeah, because we find out that uh, his daughter died of the virus. Yes, of, of, yeah. of, uh, of the black shakes. Mm. so it has something to do with that so so speaking of black shakes the moment jane and johnny escape jane gets the black shakes and now she's just literally having a twitch she's having a spasm and just going yeah. bananas full-on fit isn't it like it's actually like generally uncomfortable fit. actually that scene for yeah. me is generally uncomfortable it's something going oh that's a oh, it's a bit much actually so it says, like, fuck it, we need to go and drop you off to Spider. So it goes over to Spider, talks to Henry Rollins, properly introduced this time round, Henry Rollins, and oh boy, is he intense. He is, he is pretty intense. I've got uh, a clip here. Go for it. So what does cause it? What causes it? The world causes it. This causes it. This causes it. This causes it. Information overload. All the electronics around you poisoning the airwaves. So Technological intense. fucking civilization. But we Damn. still have all this shit because we can't live without it. See, that's that's what I was saying about it. it's kind of haunting because everyone is obsessed with the technology and it's it's caused this virus. Yeah. And it's it, they, but they still they can't get they they know it's probably that that's causing it, but they just they can't live without it they have to have it all the time it's 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 an addiction it's about addiction it's like mm. literally being addicted to drugs for example so yeah. yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that this movie is not dated you know but this movie has i think it's because things like this are still incredibly poignant today which is why i can totally understand why people are still in love with this movie because the movie has bloody you know is survived in terms of its theming Imagine imagine if we're being obsessed with the internet to the point that we're actually now getting ill from it. Like, we're not doing the things we want to do. And I can get that being a full, deep metaphor. Yeah, and in, in this scene, even though, like, um, there's a lot going on, he's, Johnny is still trying to, like, he's, he's, he's looking around a little bit, isn't he? And, like, he's just looking at, interfering with all the tech. And there's another exchange, which I love, between, uh, during that bit. Who the fuck are you anyway? Johnny. Johnny who? Just Johnny. <laughs> he can't remember his name. Oh. Another one of those quirky flashbacks. It looks like a full-service shop here. How are you on brain implants? Silicon implants, neural overlays, memory augmentation. We don't get much of that out here in Newark, just Johnny. Kind of <laughs> upscale for us, you know? My in Singapore. Oh, Yeah. What's your deal, Just Johnny? He's so snarky. Got his problem up here. Yeah, he's he's kind of snooping around. So, he, like, obviously, uh, Spider's really questioning me at that point. Like, who the hell are you? Right. But this is the thing as well. This shows how much of an asshole Johnny is because even when 
Jane has had a horrible fit and needs fixing. He's still trying to figure out his problem, which is I've got this weird shit in my head. Still doesn't know what it is and just focuses on himself. Yeah, because there's a bit where she's on the table, she's having a fit, and he actually says like, "Right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna shoot off or something like that." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm, just, I'm gonna like, go. Goes, I'm gonna get just goes, shut up and hand me that like like something to help her, you know? Yeah. So he just he goes, all right, then I'll help out for a bit, like. But he's such a dickhead. He's he really such is. a dick. Such a dick. Around about this time, it's part 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 in the movie. We're all introduced this to the uh, street preacher as well, aren't we? We're finally introduced to Dolph Lundgren. Oh boy. What an introduction! And this is his introduction. I too was stricken by the sickness that devours the silver pathways of the soul. <laughs> it's such but the Lord came trouble. to me and I was healed and made post-human. Fucking love it. Post-human. Reminds you of white zombie. It is. But I am come. To lead you. Oh, man. My children, I sense a need for meditation. I must leave you now. The sermon is over. It's it's so creepy, though, that he's like... He's representing, like, Christianity in a way in the movie, and yet he's an assassin and a very dangerous man and scary. It's like everyone's forgotten about Christianity, and, and yet he's kind of the only memory of that, and he's a really dangerous, scary killer. And this is the thing as well. Like, he's also a humongous hypocrite because mm. uh, I think... I think I'm think i not sure if you have a clip of this, but J-Bone actually says, like, talks about the tree preacher. And so, like, so what is he? Like, is he, what kind, is he, is he a preacher? What is he doing? And it's like, oh, no, he's got God and technology backwards. He's got more implants than all of us. Whoa, street preacher's out. J-Bone, you copying? That son of a bitch doesn't have one natural bone left in his body. You really a preacher, J-Bone? Preacher? That motherfucker got God and technology ass backwards. He'll kill anybody for money just to keep his body full of implants. So basically, like, everything under the skin is all technology. He's all... He's, he's the ultimate cyborg, right? But, yeah. Which makes him a ruthless killing machine when he goes around and starts murdering people left, right, and center. And they're all great. Yeah, I've got a clip of when he goes to uh, question the barman. So he meets Hooky. Uh, yeah, yeah, Hooky. I've got that bit. They're in vision, they stumble in judgment. For all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness. So that there is no place clean. You should have seen it before. Isaiah. <laughs> Mine's Hooky. So he dumps his robotic hand in the liquid nitrogen, doesn't he? Yeah. The girl. The girl that took Ralphie's boy out of the back room. Who is she? You expect me to remember half the shit. Oh, man. 
demolished. Yeah, and he's like, oh, God. Why'd you have to do that? Jesus Christ. I just got this new hand. Oh, man. Bull. Yeah, it's a, he does this quite a bit. He goes around on murder sprees, and it's kind of brilliant. Because once um, they kind of figure out what it is, uh, Johnny Johnny Mnemonic actually goes and talks to Spider and says, hey, do you know a Dr. Allcum? And it's like, oh, is that what this, this is for? come with me so basically him spider and jane all go into a truck and i love this he basically then the street preacher just appears like right in front of the truck hold sinners fuck spider look out who the fuck was that you don't want to know jesus He's such a mental guy, isn't he? He's absolutely bonkers. He's amazing. And he just... And the funny thing is that Spider, already knowing who he is, doesn't, like, stop the truck, puts on the accelerator and runs him over flat. Quite a lot of of him in, in, like, succession. Like, there's a lot of... Once you get... Once the preacher guy is introduced, Mm. you get a lot of him, don't you? Because there's another bit here where he has a fight with... um, um, spider, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Just had the sinner's head. Hold the Lord's cure. That cure is mine. <laughs> Behold your savior. He's a stutter. So basically, that he's he's fighting with Spider, and Spider kind of makes the ultimate sacrifice, doesn't he? Very so like, cheesily, yeah. So, so the other two, other two can escape. Yeah, because this is when we find out that Doctor Allcome is actually just uh, it's it's a fake name. Doctor mm. Allcome and Isles all to come to room number seven. Basically, it means that it's to this place that Spider works for underground, as he's a doctor trying to cure the Black Shakes. So yeah. the, what what Johnny Mnemonic has in his head is the actual cure for the Black Shakes because Pharmacom mm. have kept this for a long time, but they get more money to treat it rather than cure it. Yeah. So that's what this is. So basically it was for Spider in the first place, which is very fucking convenient, by the way. Very fucking convenient, right? And so as we know, Spider makes the ultimate sacrifice, um, gets completely like... I'm assuming he gets punched or or like hammered into the head because he basically does the whole like almost crucifix thing with it, doesn't he? Yeah. Although it is a bit shit that he is kind of killed off screen. You don't really see it, I don't think. You just because they say, "Oh, what happened to Spider later on?" He, oh, he, he, he didn't make it, but you don't really know what how he died or if, whether he's actually dead. You're just assuming. I would love it if we actually just saw it. I think this would have been in the gorier version. Maybe maybe we could have seen like an actual nail through the head or something gross like that. Johnny was told by Spider that there's two alternatives. One, we literally rip it out of his head but mm. that could will most likely kill him. Or we go and see Jonesy. Okay, we're going to see Jones, who's a famous code breaker, apparently. But before then, he has pretty much my favourite scene in the whole movie. He literally now conflicted whether he wants to be a martyr or he's going to or, or be a martyr or just be selfish to try and fend for himself. He has a mental breakdown. Yeah, and let's have a listen to that. You know... All my life, I've been careful to stay in my own corner. 
Looking out for number one. No complications. This now big monologue moment. I'm responsible for the entire fucking world. And everybody and his mother is trying to kill me. If, if, my head doesn't blow up first. Maybe Bam. it's not just about you anymore. Mm. Yeah, stop being a selfish prick. Listen. You listen to me. See that city over there? That's where I'm supposed to be. Not down here with the dogs and the garbage and the fucking last month's newspapers blowing back and forth. <laughs> I've had it with them. I've had it with you. I've had it with all this. I want room service. <laughs> I want the club sandwich. I want the cold Mexican beer. I want a ten thousand dollar a night hooker. I want my shirts laundered like they do at the Imperial Hotel. Tokyo. <laughs> so that he goes on that big rant. What are you supposed to feel about Johnny at that point? It makes you. It gets, it gets worse, doesn't it? Your feelings towards him just get worse. It's like you don't. What? What? You, what were they intending for that to happen in that? I don't, when they were writing that. I don't know. I think my intent. I think one. It's fucking hilarious because having this kind of version of Keanu Reeves having a mental breakdown is fucking hilarious because he can't emote in the right way. He's saying things weirdly. But the way it's like, you're right. It's all, his priorities are completely out of whack. Yeah. He wants like, priv- what are seen as like privileged things yeah. in life. Like, in, in you know, in, he hates being with like the scum. Yeah, like, I'm in, tired like- of being with you. I'm tired of being with Spider. What the fuck's a J-Bone? I'm sick of all these underlings. I want to be a rich corpo, basically. And and you can't sympathise with him when he's like, off on that rant. You know, it's, it just makes you feel, like, worse. You hate him even more. Because the whole point is, if he's supposed to be the hero of the piece, right, mm. then... He would be far more sympathetic. He wouldn't break this down. But maybe this is the point. Maybe this is the thing I'm thinking of. Maybe this is the point of the script. In the original sort of art housey version, you have someone who's so selfish, but he's told he's got this thing. How would he do it? And maybe they would have been a bit more interesting if it was portrayed better. This is like, it's literally, this is basically high privilege first world problems. Like, I want room service. I want to have all this shit. Like the most intense line delivery is the room service thing. In that, that is so loud when he says that that it's it's, so it funny. makes you laugh. Because why are you emphasising that so much? Because I don't know. It's so funny. When I saw that the first time around, I laughed and I sent a message to you saying, "Dude, why is this not a meme? Why are we not using this more often? Like this should be a thing. Whenever we want to, when we're demanding over the top privilege, we should be using that on the internet." It's so I love ridiculous. how aggressively he says, I want the club sandwich. And I want the cold Mexican beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect. It's, it's, In the way, he also he wants a $10,000 a night hooker. It's like, that's horrible, the way he says it. Want, I want a hooker. I want a whore. Once that happens, you know, a whole bunch of weird, silly things happens, and then finally he meets J-Bone again and gets finally introduced to jones 
Yeah, I've got a clip of that. It's great. Where the Navy got him hooked up, he cuts too hard encryption like a knife cuts through butter. Codebreaker. Good. Can't wait to meet him. Right this way. Jones. It's a fish. It's a mammoth. It's, it's brilliant. He just turns, he looks over, and it's... Yeah, do you know, watching this is another thing in the movie where I don't feel... I, these are supposed to be the good guys, really. Mm. But they've got this dolphin, like, prisoner, in this, like, tank. that, And they're basically hooking it up to, like, like feeding it drugs <laughs> to make it think that it's still, like, swimming in the ocean. And yet all it's doing is helping them out with their code break. <laughs> It's not horrible. It, it feels like a PETA situation is about to happen there, isn't it? So, yeah, in case you didn't pick it up, this is a cyborg dolphin, all right? So he was experimented by Corpos beforehand to be a code breaker, to break into submarines and get codes and shit. But apparently Low-Tech has rescued them, rescued in air quotes, away from the Corpo life to help their cause. But he's in this tiny-ass tank... And it's so weird. It's so weird. And here's an interesting fact. That's actually from the original book. Yeah. So in other words, you think you, you think like the cyborg dolphin would have been something the studio would have made up just for lols. No, that actually came from the original story. <laughs> it just seems like it because of like going back to the Sega thing, it just seems like fucking Echo the Dolphin, doesn't it? <laughs> well, Echo Echo the Dolphin is a kind of a good game. Let's put some dolphin shit in here. Oh, I think it's, it's by that point you're thinking like, right, this is literally Jump the Shark or Jump the Dolphin, as it were. Um, which it's fucking hilarious because so basically this cyborg dolphin Jones is going to find a way to use signals to help broadcast their stuff to the world. Yeah, I've got a good clip of that where they sort of hook him up to uh, Jones. Go for it. Jones will teach you can't open her codes. We'll try to get you out in time. Wait a minute. Have you done this before? Has the fish? <laughs> you hear the dolphin in the back going, it's like, yeah, I have. Leave me alone. Still. Jones has to triangulate infrasound into your implant. Move around too much. Could microwave your frontal lobe. Mm. Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. It's like, fuck this noise. <laughs> So he's still at this point, this is quite like near the end of the movie, he's still selfish. He's still thinking, nah, fuck, nah I, I don't want to die. Fuck that. Yeah, he's still being such a major prick. And it's, I can, I, that's why I can totally understand why you feel you're like most some people sit there going, I don't get this. It's just a bit prickish, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's still being a prick. And then he's finally convinced, just he's about to be convinced to get into it. The accuser show up and just Things start blowing up, technical difficulties occur, fucking ninjas come in, fucking the street preacher arrives, fucking Takeshi, Takeshi Kitano comes in. Everyone arrives at this last moment, basically. Yeah, definitely. Everyone goes there. And then we've got that, the, the um, the, like, ask Siri type of woman who appears massive on the, on the, on the monitors. Yeah. Talking Takeshi again. We've got that bit. That's near the end of the movie. This man is carrying in his head. He's carrying. I'm so angry. Sorry, Siri. 
Your daughter died to protect Pharmacum's profit margin. Treating the disease is far more profitable than curing it. They hit the yep. cure eight months ago, Takahashi. Pharmacum, the company that I created. Let your daughter die. The dick shit out is hilarious. Oh. Great. So the thing with that Siri diction, by the way, it's like she is, I know she's supposed to be an AI and she's not supposed to be real and that kind of thing, but her acting is so over the top. It's like, do you know who this man is? Well, everyone's trying to like be like out ham each other. Like, <laughs> There's so much beef. There's so much beef in this. There's so much ham. It's so much. It's hilarious because yeah, I'd, I'd love to if at some stage they had, like Dolph Lundgren's character, yeah. like Street Preacher, and her had like a theatrical like face off. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? What a brilliant! everyone gets into a big fight everyone has their boss characters and stuff like that you know um the shinji gets killed which is in a fun little way so he gets killed by he gets onto one of those crates kind of thing join demonic and shinji are hanging off the crate so they're fighting over the the laser whip so to see who's going to use it first and then johnny just grabs it and literally chops off his head which is admittedly a really cool sequence yeah, yeah, I, d- I did like that. That was pretty cool. And then, and then, obviously, we got the street preacher moments, which is that is such overkill. Yeah. I, c- I can't like I've I've got the I've got no more clips of like the movie after this point because yeah. it's kind of like I kind of got <laughs> given up by that point. Wow, this sums it up, really, doesn't it? But the way it ends is hilarious because at some point, so basically, uh, Joy Demonic is distracting basically street preacher while jane is trying to hook up jonesy again jones again to send new info to the street preacher which will destroy all of his in you know is is um his metal skeleton and then he just combusts into flames on a crucifix position it's pretty metal. It's so hardcore. It's it's. Thing is, there are only a few moments in the movie where I'm like, "Whoa!" Right, and that was mm. one of them. Right, and I'm thinking like, "Why is there no? Why is there not enough whoa in this movie? There should be more woes." Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's weird. So everyone basically dies. Uh, Takeshi Kitano gives uh, basically realizing that he he was shot by the by the other yakuza guys and everything else. Says, "Right, I'm going to give you the second part of the code." And so he goes and do that. So now he needs to find the. So Johnny is the only left thing over. He needs to find the third part of the code. And so by that point, he actually has to go and hack his own brain. Yeah. Where he literally, at one point, he is literally surfing his own head in mm. what looks like a pre-PlayStation polygon version of himself. Yeah. Um, it's, well, it's totally 90, 95 graphics, isn't it, you know? It's totally PlayStation graphics in this case, where he has to make a copy of himself, have his copy get killed off, and then get the thing to get the third thing, which happened to be the woman... The woman AI in the first place, which makes me think, why couldn't she 
just do all this? She knows all this. What is this? Oh, I don't know. It's it gets it gets over the point, over the top. You know, Jay Bone says, "Get your VCRs ready. The cure for the cure for the black shakes is broadcasted on all the TVs, and then it ends." And then it basically kind of ends on a weird flat note where Johnny finally realizes that he's no, that him being a prick all this time was a bad idea because he could finally hook up with Jane. They look at each other lovingly. Uh, at one point, we almost think that uh, Street Preacher is still alive. Yeah, but J-Bone just goes, get that shit out of here. And they just chuck him in the ocean, don't they? Yeah, just a fuck you, get out of the way. And then the movie ends. Then the movie literally yeah. just ends right there and then. Let's let's break this down. Let's let oh this it's been a little while since we uh since we've done this, so I'm dead excited. Shall we get the trashometer up? Okay. Trashometer. All right then. So this is the trashometer for anyone who who's, who's new to this. Welcome. But for everyone else, we already know the score. But I'm going to break it down for all of you. So we grade things differently here on the trash tapes. We don't do A, B, and C or something out of ten. We break it down by the level of trash enjoyment that we have. So we break it down into five tiers. First tier, bottom tier, is tame, where we found it mostly very, very boring. It wasn't really that fun. It wasn't really quirky. It kind of just wasn't a fun ride in that sense. It was just dull, right? Or it's not trashy at all in that case. Like, it could be a good movie, but it's just not bad in any way. Then we got a tiny bit trashy, where things, there are some moments where we're enjoying the sort of the rubbishness of it all. There's little moments here and there, uh, but it's still under slightly dull side or could have been more. There could have been more to it. Then we got trash, which is right in the middle. It's the sweet spot. It's the golden egg. It's all this. It's the perfect mixture. It's the fromage of wonder that is crap. And these are where all the good bad movies fall into. Then we got too trashy. Too trashy is where it's starting to get to the point where we're getting a little bit frustrated with it. We're getting a little angry at it. We're not entirely sure whether we're enjoying it anymore. It's starting to just become just a bit bad. But there's still really good moments. And then there is torture. Torture is the movie's literally the worst. Even through all its bad times, there's absolutely nothing redeemable out of it. It is just a horrible time. You cannot enjoy it. So, Ed, where would you put Join the Monarch? On the trashometer. Right, so it's between two settings. Sure. For me, it's either a tiny bit mm-hmm. trashy um, or too trashy. Mm. It's not because it's not perfect, but it's also boring at times as well. So that could mean it isn't enough. There isn't enough of what we want in it. Mm. So I think it's more towards tiny bit trashy than too much it's definitely not perfect so it can't be in trash and it can't it's not it can't be in tame and it can't be in torture because there are some good bits that we like Uh, so maybe it's in the sort of the the tiny bit kind of bracket what do you think i i would agree i was thinking this is a tiny bit trashy now the reason why is because the movie is bonkers right when it's allowed to i mean come on this has got a cyborg dolphin for god's sake like how can you how can you be bored with that you know and you've got dolph lundgren as his killer preacher basically dolph and dolph the two best things in the movie um but (laughs) but um, there are mo- you're right. There are moments where it's very, very dull. There's moments where I wish it was dumber. I wish it was goofier. I wish the original version of this movie was a thing. Because I feel like the original idea that Longo and Gibson had 
might have fallen directly into the perfect trash movie where it would have been dumber and goofier and things were funnier and things were over the top and more gory. But it falls a bit flat. And I blame the studio for retrying to make this too mainstream, I guess. Yeah, because what works usually with this kind of genre is like what we mentioned earlier, like the, like the Black Mirror, and you've got to have the, the humour there, but also it'd be creepy that it's kind of... You can see this as a cautionary tale, but mm. it's also, like, funny as well. And also, it's it's better if you set something in it that's in a, a future that's kind of a... That, that's near future. Mm. So this was kind of setting far too far ahead, I think, for this kind of tale like when it was set when it was made when it was made but now it's caught up and we're nowhere near this universe i mean there's some bits but we're nowhere near how this universe is like yeah yeah, yeah. i just I, it just that didn't get it right did it it just kind of missed missed the mark in I a think lot it of missed, places yeah i think it missed the mark because i feel as if the movie either needs to have been more goofy which i would have loved to be make it more ridiculous or kept on the, on the themes that they were clicking on and really honed it in because I feel like the tone of the movie is flip-floppy all the time. It doesn't know whether it wants to be taken seriously, whether it needs to be a comedy, whether it wants to be a full-blown action, whether it wants to be satirical. It doesn't really know, and I blame the edit for it. So... Yeah. And because it doesn't know what it wants... And it's and there's moments and the moments of pure genius are all the goofy stuff I like. I like, I like all the goofy characters, all the over-the-top characters. But everything else where it's trying to be serious kind of undercuts it. Um, so yeah, I'd say this actually would fall under tiny bit trashy, I think. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, well, that would join the monarch. Uh, a cyberpunk mess. Which, uh, honestly, looking back at it, because when I was younger, I watched this and I loved it because I thought it was just so, like, so, like, edgy. Now I look at it now and realizing, ah, nah, mate, it's, it's, it, this is like, this is like the, uh, the uncle is trying to be cool. But yeah, that's enough for Cyberpunk. I think I've had enough Cyberpunk after playing Cyberpunk 2077, now watching Join Mnemonic. I think I'm done with Cyberpunk in terms of my media for now. Let me just, let me just go back to Cyberpunk in the way I remember it, please. Let's not taint this. You're overloaded, man. I am fucking overloaded, man. Two, I've, I've, I've got about too many gigabytes of goddamn cyberpunk, and I might need to scrap that from my from from my mind right now. So yeah, right then. So uh, just to sort of have a bit of a catch up, but it has been a while since we've uh, since we've done this. Let's uh, let's get a little bit of recap. What's been going on with us? Uh, like for example, we've been doing quite a few things at the moment on YouTube and a few other bits as well. Like we've been doing more. I've been doing a lot more Twitch stuff at the moment. Uh, yeah. Doing more stuff on Twitch with Greg, uh, the, our other co-host. Which interesting enough, and this is something we need to talk about. Greg has never been on the podcast yet. No. Uh, we've been talking about an episode to get have Greg on for a while. I think the first one we thought about was maybe doing a video game movie with Greg as his heart enigmatic play host. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, I remember and... suggesting in the movie Dead or Alive. <laughs> that was the first one, and we've been—it's something we've been talking about like for years. And we and we still haven't like got him on. So I think I'm not sure whether it's because we just haven't had the time, or he's secretly just not pushing the agenda because he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, could be either. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, uh, myself and Greg have been doing a lot more stuff on Twitch. So if you guys do want to follow us on Twitch, just go to Enigmatic Play 
on Twitch and you'd find us on there. So you get to see myself every Wednesday, Greg every Sunday, and sometimes Greg and I will be playing something on a Monday or on a Friday. Uh, those are quite fun to do. And, we, and if you want to find out more stuff like that, we now have a Discord now, which is, oh Yeah, yeah. And what interesting thing, how this relates to the trash tapes, is we're going to be starting doing uh, watch parties. Yeah. So basically, if you want to like really get a better idea of these movies that we talk about we'll often watch them in the discord server so Mm. you can watch it with us hear our commentary on it and then you know hear what we think about it in the podcast so that would be really cool cool way to interact with the audience Oh, definitely. And one thing I want to do mm. with that is hopefully if people want to leave comments and mini reviews about what we watched, they can leave comments. We can read them out on the next episode of the podcast and it'll be quite fun to do. And also, it almost feels like sometimes when we talk about these movies, it kind of feels more like we need we, we need people to understand our pain. So you know what? I'm tired of just torturing you, Ed, basically. I want other people to feel the pain that we have to go through when we review these really bad movies. So imagine if other people were watching Join the Monarch with us. I think we might have enjoyed it more than we have seeing it all alone sitting there going like, God, the only bit I really want now is room service. Um... <laughs> I love the way you're like, I want more to suffer. Like, you're like Pinhead in Hellraiser. I want like- more. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, that's something we'll be doing on Discord as well. Um, Ed, you've actually been doing quite a few interesting videos for, uh, especially now for the Enigmatic Productions page. So, how's it been going on? How's, how's the video production going on your end? Yeah, so, basically, honing in on kind of like two themes mainly on there. Like, we do a lot of horror and we do a lot of nostalgia. Mm. So it's like you've got all your cult. I do retro reviews, often like VHS retro reviews on there. Uh, and But we've also keep doing those classic cult film or horror reactions, mm. uh, which really are the sort of backbone of that channel. We've, we're really growing in subscribers and yeah. watch time just from lots of people really enjoying those uh, reaction videos that we do. Yeah, it's all been really good stuff. The reaction stuff on the trash tapes. We're doing the what is this stuff, which I still love to do. The recent one was a festive episode where I tortured you to six random videos from the internet and just say enjoy, which was which led to some very interesting reactions from you. So I'm dead happy about that. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to kind of try and stick with that format for what is this thing from going forward, aren't we? Like yeah. where it's like I'll show you some stuff. We could uh, sw- we could swap it as well. Yeah, oh, totally. Like, I mean, the first I one, could sh- send you some clips. Yeah, because yeah. one of the first things, one of the first ones you did was you showing me the f- some funny moments from John Woo movies. Yeah. So we could totally do stuff like that. It's always a switcheroo. There's no like particular host. It's just the idea of here's some weird shit I found. Watch this, and it's great stuff. And the good thing is, if you're on the Discord or you follow us on social media, do not hesitate to send me some send me and add some suggestions because I there's some things that are just impossible to find. And the more weird movies we want to review or clips or even it doesn't, or, or anything like that, just send drop just drop us a message. We will we would appreciate the help. Well, they can actually post it. There's the channel in the Discord server that is called What Is This, so they can just literally. Like drop them in into Ex- that section. Exacto mundo, so you can do all that kind of stuff there. So please, let's just, as per usual, do not hesitate to uh, to have a look around, look for our social medias. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, mostly under the idea of enigmatic, so type in either enigmatic productions, uh, we're under trash tapes, we're under enigmatic play. We uh, have a little bit of everything, so please do not hesitate to find a little bit from us there. So yeah, right then, so... On that note, 
I think it's time for me to jack out of this and uh, just uh, just 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 glitch out of the matrix for a while. I need a break after talking about this movie. So we're going to wrap things up. So until next time, keep an eye on your trash. There might be some treasure in there. See you next time. See ya. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode and hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know, maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles. <laughs>